smile on my face when i hear that tune because it's time for another week of the rec poker podcast but tonight i'm smiling from ear to ear i got a bigger smile than usual because i've got some exciting news we're going to be uh sharing with our audience tonight um but so a few things i have to get into first just like usual uh, i want to tell folks that our sponsor is the running aces hotel racetrack and casino we love them and they're a fantastic uh group our Wrecking Crew members are the magic makers that make everything happen around here at Rec Poker. If you don't know what Rec Poker is about, uh, we're a largely volunteer-based, enthusiastic, amateur, recreational group of folks who just love poker. We love playing poker, talking about poker, studying together, winning together, commiserating when we don't, when things don't go our way. And we just have a lot of fun here on the Rec Poker podcast every Monday night. We're going to be talking to the poker boss in just a moment. Uh, we've got some exciting news about the first ever WSOP Las Vegas meetup game uh, that Rec Poker is going to be running. But first, I would be remiss if I didn't introduce myself. I'm Jim Reed, Bluffsterini in the home game and at Rec Poker Jim on Twitter. But I'm just the guy that they give the mic on Mondays. If you want to find out about the rest of the wrecking crew, the real movers and shakers around here, you have to go to rec.poker slash crew. But if you don't, that's OK, because you're going to meet two of them right here tonight on the show. Well, I'm Chris Jones. You can find me 5v5 on Twitter or 5x5 in the Poker Stars home game. And I'm John Somsky, also known as Poker Geek MN everywhere. And uh, like I said, we've got a fantastic guest lined up today. Um, before we get into the interview, I just have to remind folks that uh, tomorrow is the first Tuesday of June. So you can join our Tuesday night home game club uh, for free. And all through June and July, there's going to be two separate leaderboards for a prize sponsored by 100K Studios. 100K Studios has been working with us to hand away, uh, to give away a prize of a $1,000 entry to a Run Good event later this summer. All you have to do is play in our Tuesday night home game uh, league, just like you would for free normally, and we'll take care of the rest. Also, we're going to give away a copy of GTO Poker Simplified at the end of the show by Barry Carter and Darrow Carney because it's the newest subject of our book study. The first session of our new book study will be this week. So tune in to the end of the show for our food drive, our food bank raffle um, to win a copy of that fantastic book. But the one thing I'm really excited about, and our, uh, we have to uh, thank our guest today, uh, Sean McCormick, because he's the poker boss. And he arranged for the very first Las Vegas rec poker meetup game to be happening at MGM Grand on June 28th. So if you're down there uh, enjoying the series or if you live nearby and want to get a piece of the fun, um, come on down. We're going to be at the MGM freaking Grand uh, playing in a rec poker meetup game. I'm going to be there. Some of the other panelists will be there. I know a lot of our members and friends of the show will be there as well. So I'm super excited about that. We just got the details out today. So without further ado, Sean McCormick, they call you the poker boss. And I understand why, because we had a couple emails back and forth. And then all of a sudden, results are happening. Things are things are, things are are going crazy out here. Uh, first of all, thanks for helping us put all this stuff together. And mostly just thanks for coming on the show. I can't wait. You've got some really cool stories. I can't wait to get inside that head of yours. Awesome. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. And uh, I got to call you out that little dancing you're doing in the beginning. I knew I was <laughs> in the right place because you're already hyped. 
You're already hyped and ready to go. And that's, that's me at 5 a.m. That's me at 5 p.m. As long as I'm doing something I love, it doesn't matter. So it's just great to see that. But yeah, with the, with the meetup game, I'm, I'm super looking forward to it. Just yet another game I'm helping to set up that I unfortunately can't play in. But that's okay. I am going to mm-hmm. watch all the chips fly and watch all uh, – I'll be happy to get over there and meet all the players from Rec Poker uh, and engage with them. So it, it's going to be cool time, fun time. Glad we were able to cement a date literally right before this uh, yeah. setup. We've been talking about it for weeks, but to, to hear it from uh, Steven and that crew over at MGM Grand, they're ready for you guys and uh, ready to get the, the chips and cards flying. Yeah, it's going to be a great time. Uh, yeah, so uh, Sean, we we've actually only sort of met over Zoom once. We've emailed and and, and DM'd a few times, but I can tell immediately this is someone who is about as enthusiastic about poker as I am, uh, and it, I could tell it was going to be a good uh, good conversation when we finally got you on the show here. So let's actually start with this. So you are in a position to put a lot of these games together. You're the poker boss. Uh, you've got a very cool title at MGM. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about sort of what your role is with them in the poker world right now? And then we'll kind of talk a little bit about the, your story and some other juicy details I want to pull out of you before we're done today. Sure. Um, so first and foremost, like everybody keeps asking me about my job and my new title because it is a cool job title. Like who, how many poker strategists are there that work for a casino? You know what I mean? Like it's kind of yeah. interesting. I'm almost trying to find another person that has the same job. <laughs> um, a lot of people have uh, do a lot of duties that make up my job though. So there's a lot of cool, awesome all-stars out there doing kind of what I'm doing too. But yeah, I, uh, I it was funny because one day I posted uh, kind of like, I'm still in awe of my new job and how cool it is and stuff like that. And I posted a picture right outside my office with my name plaque on it. Of course, I have my title. And then, of course, D Negs hops in real quick to say, OK, poker strategist. So are you going to tell me what to do under the gun when it's been raised and I have nines? And like, it was just so I'm like, I'm like, no, Daniel, if I knew that, I would be on your side of the table because I'd much rather be playing it like a lot of us. A lot of us got into poker because we love the game so much, but not everybody is born to play just this exclusively. So uh, very awesome uh, new gig and everything. And I'm just, uh, I'm having a time in my life doing it. So tell, tell me a little bit what goes into the, a day, a typical day in the life or a week in the life of uh, the poker strategist uh, for MGM. What, what, what do you find yourself, other than just taking delightful calls with, uh, with poker organizations like ours, what, what, what's on your to-do list typically? Sure. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I have to just real quickly tip my cap to like my two direct bosses who went way out of their way to know how important poker is for the company, how important poker mm. is for the future, and wanted someone to kind of look at all of our open poker rooms and help synergize the offerings and get everybody talking in the same room. So at the end of the day, my job is just to bring people together in the company, all of our poker leaders like this massive think tank and just make it better. And I think we've already done that um, because we have aligned ourselves with people in these rooms that are hungry to learn, hungry to grow poker. And it's not just about a paycheck, clocking in at nine, leaving at five. These, these people that we've put in these positions really are passionate about the game and they work it like I did. I, we're a 24-hour business. And as long as you don't ever lose that passion, it doesn't really matter what the job titles are. We're moving and advancing the game forward. And that's what we all want. Well, I love to hear that um, priority of poker, um, the way that you describe it, because I think a lot of individual casinos, um, you know, poker and, you know, I'd love to actually, I don't want to put words in your mouth. So talk to me about this a little bit. I get the sense 
that from some casinos, like they'd just rather have slots or something else there that maybe makes a little more money hourly or has fewer costs associated with it. Um, I feel like a lot of the benefit from poker is it's intangibles, bringing people in, you know, uh, having uh, having people there waiting on the list, having people there getting frustrated every once in a while, maybe and going blowing some steam off. Um, is that is that typically true? Um, and, and what makes a difference uh, here at, at MGM? You know, poker is really tough to evaluate if you just look at a balance sheet. And mm-hmm. a lot of people look at it and go, oh, this is what poker does. Okay. And speaking from a, a Vegas standpoint, it's very different regionally and globally. But from a Vegas standpoint, Vegas is the entertainment capital of the world. So if it's not producing a profit, we need to reassess fast. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying poker is not profitable. It is, of course. Poker generally doesn't lose unless it's just mismanaged. You give away too much. You're not charging the right pricing and stuff like that. But for the most part, poker doesn't lose, but it doesn't win big either. You know what I mean? I always say in Vegas, it doesn't matter which property is. It could be ultra luxury property like an Aria Bellagio. It could even be smaller properties um, around the city. But at the end of the day, like the most profitable day in table games, one day is going to outburn your poker room in a year. That's just realistic. Mm. So it's more of getting people on property and getting leadership to buy in on the why. So that's been a big part of my job. Why do we have poker? And when I started to dive into the numbers and I'm like, okay, Johnny doesn't just come in and punch and play two five for five hours, but he went over here and he got a burger. And then he went over there and he played slots and then he stayed in the hotel. And then these things start adding up and adding up. And um, when you really take the value of a player and you start showing what they do beyond poker, you really can open that up. And and I get, uh, I guess that again has been a big part of my job is to, get in the room with with these CFOs and people that are just all they see is numbers all day. And of course, that's their passion. That's their job. But making them see the human side of poker, what they do beyond just play cards and drop dollars on the break and stuff like that. And, and we all know poker players are far more valuable than just what they do within the poker room walls. That's a great answer. Um, if folks in the YouTube chat have any questions for Sean, feel free to type away. We'll be... Uh... Uh, we'll be monitoring that as well. John Somsky, I think you had something. Yeah, I was just going to mention that I am a case in point. So I would, if I'm going to Vegas or anywhere, any casino location, I won't go to one without poker. So that is a requirement. As a matter of fact, I'm not the one who is going to go play the slot machines. I will go out, have the burger. I might stay in the hotel, but I often bring my wife with me. And mm. my wife does spend all of the time at the slot machines that I'm spending at the poker table. So the goal is generally for me to win enough at the poker table to cover her slot losses. So (laughs) that's why the uh, places like you are doing such a good job keeping poker players happy. The the casino thanks your wife's contributions. (laughs) I I, I can just quickly add, I have the same, same story, although I have to trade off. I got to, if I'm going to come down a Vegas poker trip, I got to, I got to be set aside some time and earn enough money to send my wife to the spa, take her to like a Cirque show, you know? So there's, there's all this stuff that goes along with a poker trip that, that doesn't show up just in the poker room balance sheet. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, that was actually one of my questions for you, Sean. Um, how how is success measured in a in an endeavor like that? Because I think a lot, like you say, a lot of the CFOs they're kind of like, what does the balance sheet show us? You know, what are the revenue numbers? That's how we're judging success. But I think we we all feel like you know there's more to life than that. So how how do you measure the success of a poker room or of an endeavor like this if it's not in dollars and cents? 
So, of course, um, financially, of course, we all know that's how anything is measured for success in a for-profit business. Sure. Um, but again, poker is that very different game than the rest of the casino. I always used to tell people there's a reason why, if you notice at our MGM properties, most of the poker room manager and director's office offices are located right within the poker room. But you couldn't find the vice president of the casino's office if you tried. And <laughs> it's done by design. It's done by design. No blackjack players out there that incorrectly splits fives or something or whatever they could do in the casino and say, hey, where's that casino VP at? No. But if someone has an issue in the poker room, like in my last case where I was at Aria for the last seven years, people knew me by name. And, it, you know, of course, the poker boss or Sean, like, hey, you, it problems will get to a point or concerns, I should say, more likely get to a point where they're going to want to talk to me, where they're going to want to have that engagement. So when you talk about measuring success, it all comes down to guest experience. So we all have cards, chips, dealers, um, you know, same cocktails, uh, cash in, cash out process. Poker rooms are pretty much built the same. What makes the difference at the end of the day, and you can have elevated TVs and elevated offerings, stuff like that. But it all comes down to the guest experience. And how do you reinforce a good guest experience? You get your team to buy in on a central goal of that guest experience. So something I used to tell uh, new hires all the time, whether when I was at Bellagio or when I was at Aria was, throw away the fact that you think we're in the poker business. We are not. And literally, I would say, we are in the guest experience business and the eyes would all open. What is he talking about? We are in the poker business. And then I explain to them and I get them to buy in on the fact that when a guest comes in, if they have a great experience, it's usually not specifically on win-loss. Yes, that always plays a metric, but that's usually short-lived. Whether you win or lose, the next day, you're thinking back on the experience itself. How were you treated when you got to the room? How did you feel? Were you comfortable? Um, and it, there are things that, intangible things that we can't even like always hone in on. Like say you go to Aria. Sometimes I, I was talking to someone earlier. Uh, we were talking about uh, women in poker, uh, poker power and stuff like this. And we were actually like trying to talk out how to make the experience easier for new women in poker. Because um, a lot of times you read things online, you sit down at the poker table and the first thing you hear is, do you want to post or wait? How's a new player supposed to know what that even means? <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. when you get to these poker rooms, we've made them such that everybody is there to help. Everybody knows they're a steward of the room. Um, and it just, it all comes down to, like I said, just the central goal of offering the best guest experience that somewhere down the road, maybe doesn't. We always push ourselves to be better uh, than our competitors at the end of the day. Well, that's great. And I think that kind of stuff kind of flows from the top down too. It takes that kind of vision and then having a great staff that, as you say, kind of buy into it and and know what it's all about because you really do need to have that um, that buy-in to carry it through. Um, Chris, you had a question here? Yeah, I was just going to kind of wanted to jump on that and you know one of the things that we've talked a lot when I mean, we've talked with poker power we've talked with some other uh organizations and people we've had guests on the show talking about the poker experience and there there seems to be this sort of like um sense that there's sort of there's two groups who have a lot of power and say over what happens one are the actual uh rooms and the 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 dealers and like the people who are setting that sort of that mindset that that guest experience sort of mindset and the other are the players 
uh, and the players are helping sort of regulate having that, that we all want this game to grow and having sort of a welcoming space for people. I'm curious about, you know, those, those two groups of folks sort of each have a role to play, but maybe don't always work, don't seem to like always work together. I'm curious what you think, like, what's the ideal uh, way that sort of maybe more experienced players who want to grow the game and sort of card rooms, people who are working in these rooms can help just really try to foster that growth? Uh, I think the simplest answer to that is feedback. It's all about feedback. And um, we often ask our guests, hey, if you're when you leave for the day or something like that, don't just walk out if you had a bad experience. Let us know. You know, don't say, hey, my ace got cracked by ace king. Not much we could do about those things, but, you know, uh, but definitely let us know if there's something in your experience that you didn't like. I, I say this to the players as much as I say it to the staff. You can never over inundate me with information, uh, whether it's positive information or it's concerns that things we need to work on. That's how we get better at the end of the day. So feedback, 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 let us know. And um, yeah, it's just poker is that interesting game that is a partnership between the player and the house, as opposed to every other game the house has. Um, but I will say this, as funny as that sounds, I always tell the players, just remember at the end of the day, it's a partnership, but it's 51% here. I have to still be in control. I still, at the end of the day, someone has to make the tough decision. Um, I actually always say that poker, running a poker room is like playing PLO. You hope you're 60-40 ahead. If you can make 60% of the field happy, you'll probably get the other 40% to buy in at some point because the masses will eventually be like, no, this is good for the game. But it's fun when like two big names, you know, which we have a lot on Twitter and these spaces and they collide. You love watching it. And operators like myself and I'm sure others too, we kind of just sit back sometimes, grab the popcorn and just watch the circus and then, uh, and then adapt and make business, you know, decisions based on those things. But it's definitely a community vibe. It's definitely a, you know, that's, that's what it's all about because without people on either side of the table, this game doesn't exist. Well, you've obviously, um, this is something that you've grown into. I knew you were at Aria for a long time and you, listen, man, uh, everyone that I've spoken to has really enjoyed playing at the Aria. I, I've had a great time when I was down there as well. Um, so you're obviously doing something right there. Uh, what what are some other experiences that you've had professionally that have kind of helped set you up for success uh, with the role that you have now at, at poker at, at MGM? Rather, I keep wanting to just throw poker strategist out there as often as I can. That's uh, but yeah, what no, are cool. some other stops you've made? Don't worry, I keep saying it too. I think it sounds cool. So um, yeah, I'm gonna lean into my own title sometimes and just you, you know, should. It's, it's a cool title, you know. What it I mean? is. Make the most out of it, man. Come on. But, um, you know, the funny thing is I've been playing poker my whole life. My dad taught me poker. I'm an East Coast guy. I'm from Boston originally. So like seven card stud was the game back then. And it's still the most games you'll ever find in stud is probably on the East Coast, like mm. New Jersey and Foxwoods and Mohegan uh, more than anywhere else, anywhere. Like in Vegas, you can't find a straight stud game ever, like ever. It's always in a big mixed game, stuff like that. But like I said, I grew up playing the game. But I had no, you know, we didn't have casinos in Massachusetts. I had no thoughts of even going into the casino business. I went, I went to school for computer engineering, actually. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I kind of fell out of love with, love with it when I noticed that I was doing a lot of lonely days with just me and my keyboard. And um, I think a lot of people will speak to the fact that 
I'm really high energy and I need to be surrounded by people. So, you know, I kind of left Massachusetts. I guess I'm just going to tell you my story a little bit. I'm just going to say bring it on. Yeah, that's what we want. That's what we're here for. (laughs) So, you know, I left Massachusetts like when I was around 22 years old and uh, moved to Florida. A buddy of mine opened a photography business out there. And, you know, I was a I was a kid. So I was like, yeah, I'll help out to pictures, stuff like that. But he moved to Jacksonville and no knock to Jacksonville. Gorgeous city, absolutely gorgeous city, but it's one of the, when you're 22, it feels like one of the oldest cities on the planet. (laughs) So it took me all of two weeks to like, no, this isn't going to work for me. (laughs) And I moved a little south to uh, Orlando and it was a little bit more lively. Obviously the theme park scene is very, like what you see on TV is very different than when you actually, same as Vegas. People have this view of Vegas and I still surprise older people like in my family that are like, wait, Vegas has schools? I'm like, no, we ship the kids in and out every day. Of course we have schools. No, we're just casinos. That's all we're, no, of course not. So, you know, living in Orlando was was that. There was a lot of vibe with Disney and there was like cool nightlife and things 22-year-olds want to do. You know what I mean? Sleep for three hours, drink Red Bull and pump your fist in the air like your Jersey Shore. That's that's what 22 was being about. So had a lot of fun in, in Central Florida got invited to play in some poker games. Uh, like I always laugh at like when people talk about like in rounders, I think they mentioned like playing with doctors and lawyers. I was that kid. I was literally playing with doctors and lawyers and they couldn't care less if they lost money to me. You know what I mean? Perfect. Um, yeah. And that's when like, we're talking 2002, 2003 poker. Like all you had to do was show up and, and not overplay Jack three offsuit. And you were fine. Like seriously, there was, <laughs> No one was GTO back then. No one, there was no charts or anything. There was no one solving the game. It was literally like, yeah, you just ponied up the money and just played a little bit better than everybody else. And you can have a game. So played in some games and a buddy of mine one day was like, man, you really love like poker and like, like card games and stuff. I'm like, yeah. He's like, you should work in it. I'm like, working it. It's Florida. Mind you, 2003, the only thing Florida had was dog tracks and the betting limits were two, two, not even two, four. It was $2 every street, two, four, six, cap today. No, no limit, no pot limit, none of that. When I eventually get to my first job, I actually went up to Daytona Beach Kennel Club, the first place I ever dealt. And um, I'm dealing games, like I said, $2 games. I'm dealing games with quarter chips. Quarters, not $25 like we call quarters. <laughs> physical quarters. And um, it was just such an awesome experience. I mean, the, the ceiling was this low. It was yellow from when people used to smoke. It was oh, yeah. like crazy days. So many fun stories from back then. Maybe I'll share uh, at the end. I'll share a really fun story, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell, I'm going to disclaimer it. Don't do this at home dealers. But anyways, <laughs> so Delta Daytona beach for maybe like a year and a half, two years. And a uh, buddy of mine again was like, Hey man, we should deal like a WPT event. When you're a dealer in Florida, you just, you, you live in a box. You don't know. And back in 2003, today, the internet made us all closer together. Of course. Um, but back then it's like, you didn't know about the world poker tour, except 2 AM flipping through the TV. You know what I mean? Um, totally. Totally. And, uh, so I was like, how do we even apply thinking I have to go work for the world poker tour? My, my mind couldn't think that I'm actually working for the casino and the world poker tour is partnered with no clue. So 2006 went to Tunica, Mississippi of all places to the gold strike casino, which was. Um, I think it was called the WP of the World Poker Open at that point. Um, and the WPT was in town. And it was such a wild experience for me. But the Gold Strike was owned by MGM Resorts. 
Uh, at that time, I believe it was MGM Mirage. And we owned the Gold Strike actually up until about three months ago. We just sold the property. So when I was dealing there, you know, these big tournaments, you got, you got, you got the South, you got Mississippi, you don't, you don't have uh, like big, big, big tournaments all the time. It's just, you know, 13 table card rooms and then suddenly explodes. And it's like, like the, uh, like looking at the world series, almost just this ballroom with massive, massive amounts of tables. So they needed help to run this event and the Bellagio team was there to help them. That's where I met uh, hall of famer, Jack McClellan, which was our TD at the time at Bellagio. And I met a bunch of the crew and I just made an impression on someone. And they were like, Hey man, you like this stuff. Come to Vegas. Like when we used to give jobs to anybody, oh, you're passionate <laughs> about poker? You, 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 you know, a straight beats or a straight beats favorite. Come on, let's go. You, yeah, yeah. Flush beats. Straight, you that's, it. that's, that's basically how I got this job, Sean. So yeah, I totally understand. We're totally, on the same page though. Totally. Yeah. I, I think, I think I saw in my first audition, someone dealing the cards, like the flop one at a time, not spreading it out. <laughs> and that person is, Worked at Bellagio for like 15 years, by the way. Great guy, great guy. And uh, but poker was just different back then. There's so like people always ask me about the old school stories, and I got a bunch, but um, yeah, it was just such a fun time. So I ended up going back to Florida, and we're there. Me and my buddy were there for like three weeks, and then 3 p.m. in the afternoon, just like young kids in their 20s do. We're just having like lunch or something. I think we were at like a checkers or something, you know, fast food, Florida fast food. And he's like, man, we should just move to Vegas. And I'm like, man, you're not serious. You're not even <laughs> like I already made a big move. I moved Boston to Florida. That I've already shown commitment. Now he's like, no, 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 seriously, we should move. I said, all right, I'll get I'll make you a deal. Mind you, I didn't know two minutes ago I was gonna make this deal. So I've already been up like, you know, probably I mean it's 3 p.m. I'm 23 or something like that. So I've actually probably only been up for an hour or two. But yeah. In fairness, so I, I say, all right, I'll come by your house tonight at midnight on the dot. Have your bags ready. He's like, all right, bet, let's go. So he goes home, I go home. There's no way he's gonna, no way. I pack a suitcase, put it in my trunk, drive my little my my Volkswagen Jetta over to his house, and toot the horn. And sure enough, four seconds later, this guy walks out with two suitcases in a hand. I never looked back. I never <laughs> looked. I went back to Florida to close out my lease or whatever I had, a apartment or something like that. I had a girlfriend at the time, so I had to kind of move her with me. She's she's not my wife, so I hope she's <laughs> somewhere. I'm sure she's doing fine. Um, but yeah, it was just such a great experience. And people were like, you really just just went all in, huh? And I was like, yeah, it was something I loved. And then in November of 2006, started working at Bellagio as a dealer. And I knew within... 30 days I wanted to run a poker room. I knew I wanted to move up. Mm. I knew I like watching the players, all the stories and man, if Twitter spaces and all that stuff were around back then, the stories would have been even crazier. Maybe we didn't want content creators back then because <laughs> maybe we didn't want to capture all those moments. So, um, but no, it was such a good time and such a, you know, just a, a crazy jump off point and just said, hell, I just, I just went for it. That's awesome. That's amazing. And you could tell, I mean, you've, you've been drawn to it, obviously, like you say, uh, your whole life, um, dealing, you get so much experience, you kind of see both sides of it. Like I think dealing is probably where a lot of professionals get get started, just because you kind of need that context, you need to kind of be immersed in it that way. Um, and so what was what was your first step out of uh, out of the box there? Or did you you didn't go straight to heading up um, the aria? What was uh, what was your what was your next what was your first promotion out of uh, the pit there? 
No, so I, I, uh, I, I'm kind of proud that I went through every step because it gave mm-hmm. me an appreciation for every job within the poker room. So I went from dealer to uh, supervisor, and then Aria opened in the uh, December of 09. So somewhere around mid 18, when we were building the monstrosity that is City Center, which is just this gorgeous palace. Uh, we don't even really call it, we call it the City Center campus, but it was just something that was unheard of. No one did these mega resorts like this. You know, mm-hmm. and the Mirage was the first real like mega resort. Steve Wynn designed that beautiful hotel. But what Aryan City Center did, it just made it fully immersive with the beer tower where you could live in, with Vidara behind it where it's non-gaming, with, you know, it was called the Mandarin Oriental at the time, but it was, um, it's now called the Waldorf Astoria, which we don't own, but like just all that pieces and everything, it's just, it was so great. And um, yeah, I, I, now I'm just babbling. Now you got to ask me another question. <laughs> <laughs> so what, so, I mean, I think, I think people get a sense that like, if you love poker, all the all the jobs in the poker industry are fun and i'm sure there's some hard work but it's just like you know go your whistle to work every day um what are some hard parts uh of being in the poker industry or what are some of the downsides other than not being able to play in all these games that you're getting to set up that uh outsiders might not might not just think to to expect sure i think the i think the hardest part about working operations in poker is being able to separate being a player at times, but always wanting to be an advocate for the players. And mm-hmm. sometimes those lines get blurred, especially in big corporations. Obviously, mm-hmm. if you work for a single owner card room operator, it, he's probably he or she is probably a poker enthusiast. So you get to talk out and suss out all kinds of business strategies, <clears throat> excuse me, and plans. But when you work for a big organization, which just has, you know, there's probably a hundred different divisions within ARIA alone. It's a lot of moving parts and getting everybody to buy in is like, that's really the toughest part. Sometimes you you see someone, like players will often bring me the newest, greatest idea. We're gonna do this. I got a new game or we're gonna do this or let me, uh, I, can, I can show you how we can branch out and reach more people for you and all kinds of different crazy ideas. And some of them seem actionable and some of them are great. And sometimes we can't make them actionable because a lot of cooks in the kitchen to approve it. And sometimes just because I think something's good for poker, it might not be good for everybody within MGM resorts. That being said, I again have had the, the, the pleasure of not only even before I was in this position, looked at the guy to like come to for like poker strategy, but now in this position, I'm in meetings now. I never thought I would be in it. I'm just like, and, and the, the humbling part about it is really finding out what people think about poker and, most people in my company are very supportive of it. Although we all say the same thing, man, poker players can be drama sometimes, can't they? <laughs> and I say, yes, yes, we all are. And too bad. Just take it. Take us <laughs> well, you're actually, you're the, um, the second guest that we've had on recently that's talked about poker or uh, Twitter spaces and sort of that uh, arena for these change of ideas and conversations. Um, you're obviously pretty excited about that. Talk to us a little bit about uh, what, what you like about that or what you think is kind of interesting and new about that dynamic. So it's just kind of like what I was saying. My, my job is my job is to, to get everybody in a room and think, take these things out. That's what Twitter spaces are doing and they're making the every man available to, or should I say, 
uh, like big names in our industry available to the other. And I don't mean myself. I mean, like Dean Eggs jumps in these spaces, like big, big name people are, um, you know, Jennifer Tilly hopped in a space one time and was talking and it was like, what is going on here? And it's like, that is cool. But because at its root, that's what poker is. How often can you just pony up, you know, you can go play a thousand dollar event and might be seated in Kevin Hart. You can go mm. play uh, uh, a poker stars event online and maybe you're seated next to some big football soccer in the US uh, player. You know what I mean? Like you see these incredible moments that you just don't see anywhere else because at the end of the day, poker is that great equalizer. These people that are that again, I've seen some of their houses and what they drive and what they're, you know, what they spend things on. Some of these people live in the clouds. And when, but when they're at the poker table, they treat you like everybody else because they love the game so much. They're so interested in your story. So even like, like I said, big, big name celebrities, and I don't like to drop names too often, um, but when these people are around and they treat you like, like you're their friend that they've known forever, just because you have this bond in this, this crazy game of clay chips and cards, it's very humbling and it's very cool. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I really loved about joining Rec Poker was that it's, it's a it's a different kind of group because what brings us here is our shared love. And like we all have bought into this goal of like making the poker world uh, a, a funner, a more fun place, a brighter place, a more encouraging place. Um, and whatever it is that we do in our lives that's work we kind of get to leave that behind. And, and when we come to the poker table, we're already in this camaraderie. We're already in this um, group uh, where we have this common love, this common element. I think this thing that makes it so much easier to get along and to form relationships because you kind of already have this stuff in common, which is fantastic. That actually tees us up for another question I had for you. Um, so there, I think there's, there's kind of this tension in the poker world right now as content creators are coming to the fore. People want to be filming more stuff they want to be sharing stories from the table often that's in conflict with uh rules that casinos have about not allowing you know video recordings or, and and i think as an outsider you get a uh, a sense that you know casinos have a lot of sensitive information security information game security information that they don't want broadcast out to the world but i think it's undeniable that there's a dynamic promotional element to a lot of this vlogging and a lot of this getting into the seat of the player at the table. So I guess I have two questions for you, Sean. So um, how valuable do you think that kind of promotional element is? And what kind of success have you had navigating that tension between the legitimate security concerns of the casino, but also wanting to really capture this enthusiasm and passion that's happening at the tables? So my simplest answer to all of it is we're in the digital age. And if you don't embrace it, you'll be left behind. Um, I can admit myself that, you know, 10, you know, eight to 10 years ago when people were pulling out phones and stuff like that, I was even one of those guys that was like, whoa, 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 you can't do that. Um, I remember the days where pulling out a cell phone in the sports book could get you thrown in jail. Like, sure. I, you know, it's as crazy as that is we literally had like, um, you know, they're called NRS codes in Nevada and Nevada's revised statutes prohibiting phones in sportsbook because 
the casinos or really the regulatory people were worried that someone would be like, oh yeah, let me get the bet on the ninth pony or whatever people say. I don't, I don't bet ponies. You can tell right <laughs> there's somebody watching that bets the ponies. That's like, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And you would be right. You would be right. But, um, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's been a really cool eye-opening experience to kind of go full 180 and be like, no, I'm full in support of this now. I'm, one of the, the the biggest advocates for this, and I know the power of the reach. Um, <clears throat> you know, a buzzword that we hear a lot in businesses these days, and my company is no short, is having an omni-channel approach to how we do business. Mm. Um, and and if so, anybody from my company is watching right now, they're probably like doing the uh, you know the, the eye roll here um, because it is a it is a catchy buzzword. But um, when it comes to vlogging, it really holds true because. These vloggers come in and capture um, their audience is sometimes people we can't capture. Right. Just because we're MGM Resorts and we have the massive branding departments and loyalty departments and all doesn't mean we hit 100% of the people. There are absolutely people that, you know, like, like, uh, you know, Kmart, a, a good uh, guy, a content creator from, uh, from Canada, obviously, a great guy. And uh, his reach, I know he's reaching people that we can't through print ad or even digital ad and stuff like that. So when a guy like that or anybody comes in and they say, hey, I want to vlog, we know, hey, they're going to reach an audience. And hopefully there's some push through that like, hey, I just filmed today at Bellagio. I just filmed today at MGM Grand. That that person sees it and there's brand recognition, which turns into brand loyalty. And then obviously we benefit from that. The vlogger benefits by you know, getting their content out and the people that are getting their content out to benefit by both sides. They're getting their entertainment from one side and they're being pushed towards entertainment in the other side. So I am all in on content creators and stuff like that. With that, yes, of course, from a gaming side, there's security risks. Um, and uh, I think most poker players get it at this point. And this is going to change a hundred times. Like we just rolled out our vlogging. It's actually called our guest technology use policy, uh, like last month and it's version one. And I, I told legal, I said, we'll be at version 5.9 before the end of the year because <laughs> it will adapt through feedback. Again, talking sure. about feedback, which we're already getting like, Oh, the form is too lengthy or, Oh, the questions are this and that. And everybody that's reached out to me, I've like auto replied, Oh, let me help you out. And I've got these people approved. And for poker, for the most part, we're almost, I don't want to say we're just blanket approving everybody. Um, that we've had a couple people that we've denied either there. They didn't realize this is Vegas only. We are working on our regional property. So this is a Vegas only approval right now. Uh, or they do certain things that wouldn't necessarily hold MGM resorts in a good light. So we have to be careful of those things. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm not too concerned in poker. The, the rules are out there. Obviously, when you're at the table, don't film people's faces. People sometimes come to a casino as an escape. Their anonymity is important to them. You know, Bob the plumber doesn't want you, you know, showing his face because maybe he called out sick to play poker today, guys. You know what I mean? It's like, and that's a very different thing. It's funny in Vegas, we actually say, I'd rather, I used to tell dealers, I'd rather you call me and just say you're stuck then call me and fake a cough. <laughs> Don't fake a cough. Just tell me, hey, I'm down at the nugget and I'm down 300. I'm like, yeah, you got to get that back. Click. <laughs> I'd rather have that. I'd, I'd totally rather have that. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the, this vlog, vlogger policy is going to definitely grow over time. And it's what I'm hoping to see in the future is a road to where we monetize it 
for the vlogger. So the vlogger's monetizing it. Hopefully, some of them do it for free just to get clicks and stuff. But you get enough clicks, it's monetized, obviously. There's a there's a road to eventually down the road where we start partner, partnering with the vloggers and say, hey, come in. We have a weekend event. We'll uh, we'll let you run a meetup game. We'll name it the you know uh, the rampage uh open or whatever and you can get your people in and we'll push people towards you and you push people towards us and then we monetize we put them in the hotel we take care of their food stuff like that i'm not saying it's there yet but this is the road that i see and at the end of the day man if there's a there's 100 vloggers today i hope there's 10,000 by next year you know and then i hope there's 100,000 because that's growing the game while growing the game you know what i mean it's it's, it's a crazy thing so I, i'm just super excited for all of it well, that sounds great. And it sounds like you're coming in on the right side of it, too. I know um, like we do our own rec poker road trips and we go and visit casinos and tours. And I know that um, for a lot of other organizations, like there is this promotional element. And it's so I mean, when when you're some of these like the names that you've mentioned here, like when we're just out there having a good time doing it, you know, like this is what makes it so great. Like we're just traveling around playing poker, talking to people about how much we love poker. I mean, how can that not be infectious? How can people not want to get get more involved with that kind of thing? Uh, here, Chris, you had uh, yourself unmuted there. Yeah, I, I just wanted to add, I mean, you know, kind of related to that, I think um, part of the growth of the game has been, and and I think different rooms have had different perspectives on this, but um, has been the, the ability to watch some of these streams um you know there have been live stream cash games live stream final tables of tournaments um and uh, you know and and there have obviously been some security concerns that have come up with that and i'm wondering about with this sort of like idea about sort of having more digital digital spaces entering more vloggers into the space what what's your take on like is is a live stream something is the does the vlogger sort of fill that need or um, is there a, is there a, a need in terms of growing the game for, for having more live streamed, uh, games out in the world and, and, you know, what's, what's your approach or, or MGM's approach to, to that sort of challenge or thought? Sure. Um, let me touch on one thing first, the, the security aspect. So we make it very clear in our policy that, and I know we, when we say live streaming, like poker, go hustler, we all understand it's behind a 45 minute delay for reasons, regulatory reasons. Now, that being said, bloggers, and it's, when I talk about it, you'll never hear me say streamers. I have, I've literally coached that word out of myself because in the policy, the very first thing I say when I approve anybody is, um, it's like it bolded, you can never live stream within poker ever. Um, and I don't think most bloggers are out there to live stream because again, poker content without like graphics and seeing the whole cards and all that stuff is boring. Like all of us, we love the game, but no one wants to see, uh, you, you know, you, you, you use a putter from 400 yards out and shoot a hundred shots. Like there's no, there, that's not fun. No one wants to see that. There's no way to interact with that. Um, and the same holds true of poker. If you're not seeing, you know, poker boomed, we can all thank Chris Moneymaker, hundred percent. Good friend of mine, love the guy. Uh, we're always trolling each other at some point on Twitter or something like that in real life. But <clears throat> And Chris absolutely had a big part of the poker boom. But lest we forget, a couple years before that, the whole card camera was invented. And that is what really started the boom. The fact that we at home could interact. I love going back to the old videos in the 80s and stuff like that just to see the smoke in the air and all that stuff and it's just really cool and like binions was binions and 
all those old, the old guard had the best stories that we'll never be able to recreate the same again. But you, we live in that era. We love to watch it. Like it's almost like just like story time always. But, um, but yeah, it's just, it's just a new world today, man. And, uh, um, from, like I said, from a security standpoint, as long as people are following the rules, we're not really too concerned. I am watching the content as it comes out. I, I literally subscribe everybody that we approve. I instantly subscribe to them so I can watch them stuff, their stuff. Um, I, I have a poker boss YouTube account, but then I have a, I have a burner YouTube account. Like who has a burner YouTube account? <laughs> I just have a secondary one just so I can go watch everybody's stuff and, and like, make sure they don't think I'm like, watch. I don't even know if they could see that it was me, but anyways, um, I, I just love this whole new world of vlogging, and uh, I, I'm hoping when you guys come to MGM Grand, there's going to be some phones out. Well, I think we're going to have, yeah, I think we're going to try and make as big a deal about it as, as possible. Um, I love it. personally, I, I'm a Twitter addict, uh, when I'm at the tables, that's where I'm taking notes and you know, sharing hands with people and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I'd love to, uh, uh, I'd love to see what else we can get up to down there, but I'm I'm really I don't know if you've noticed, Sean, but I'm really looking forward to this meetup game on uh, on June 28th. This is going to be I love it. Give free special. Um, so uh, th- that was one thing I want to talk to you about because that kind of touches on. So people have phones; they've got equipment in the room. Um, oh, there's all this RTA stuff that's coming out. I mean, it's not coming out now, but like it's in it's in the public uh, discussion right now. Um, people having charts or, you know, using solvers on their phone while they're at the table. Um, I think I've seen a bunch of different solutions out there, different policies that rooms can take. Uh, No phones at the table, like seems to make a lot of sense from a let's just make sure that it never happens point of view. But I get that that's kind of a tough sell on the poker playing population. Um, I know a couple uh, places have come out recently and just said no charts or assistance at all in the poker room in the poker space but you can do whatever you want when you're in other areas of the casino i know some just say not during a hand but you're able to look at things in between hands um i don't want to put you in a box here because there's there's sean mccormick and there's also mgm talking here but uh do you have a uh personal take on this or is there a corporate take that you feel like has hit the right um hit the right note when it comes to balance on this you know these are going to be tougher conversations as the technology continues to get better and better you know um i think apple today released their like vision goggles or something like that 20 years from now those could be contact lenses and Mm -hmm. we won't know what the hud looks like um you know so we have to we have to have start having those conversations and hopefully I'm retired when the robots all run this, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, the, kicking back to our earlier conversation and talking about feedback and what we do with this information. Um, I actually have a monthly poker divisional where I get all the leaders from Borgata all the way to Vegas and everybody in between. I get us all on Microsoft teams and RTAs have definitely come up in our last two conversations And where we always land on it is it's an absolute no at the table while in the hand. Once you leave the hand, it becomes a very hard thing to police. However, like I tell everybody, if you have any concerns with that, just let us know immediately because we have ways. I don't want people getting into confrontations doing this. Not that I'm saying the gentleman at, you know, obviously the the biggest catalyst for this conversation right now was the Gardens Casino. And um, I have a lot of respect for their poker staff. 
Kevin is one of their TDs and he's been in the game a long time and knows this game in and out. And it is just amazing. Um, and it wasn't an easy situation, but what I tell people is if you give us the feedback and let us do our due diligence, it, we can solve things a little bit easier, but we're going to need the community on this one because the technology as it stands right now, and I hate to say this, but not every operator, every card manager knows what GTO wizard is, knows what the, right. some of them don't even know what push fold charts is. And that's, me, I think that's that's a little not doing their due diligence, but you know, sometimes you know, people get in this game and you know, especially outside of Vegas, where it's sometimes the market is not so competitive in these casinos. Someone lands a poker room manager job and they're in it for 30 years. So oh, sure. you got a guy that's been doing it since 1995 and he doesn't he hasn't adjusted to 2023 yet. And again, that's I don't want to say that's no fault of his or her own. It is, of course, they have to stay up at the time. But that's why, again, I keep saying the word feedback, guest feedback, going into these spaces, looking at the content creation, stuff like that. It's using all of that information, not just to promote the game, but to make the game better. So like I said, from an MGM resort standpoint, we've all agreed that never at the table while in the hand. Um, there will be penalties assessed if you do. Um, and if we catch someone more than once, it's probably removal from the room, not just the event. Um, because me, I, I, I do take a hard stance on this. If you're mid-hand doing it, you're cheating. That is cheating. Mm -hmm. that, to me, that's no different than placing a $500 in blackjack, seeing that your first card is an ace and throwing another $500 chip on top. Yeah, we'd all love to do that. First card is an ace. Yeah, let me increase my bet. But that's not how the game works. And that's not how poker works. Poker is still a game of the mind. And that, if we start allowing the, you know, outside help in any way, that great equalizer we keep talking about goes away. The people that we love to watch play this game start to go away because if they have 0% chance, they already have the worst of it against any pro. I was told this by a pro that still plays a very, very well-named pro maybe about five years ago. He says, people getting into this game long time that play Hold'em don't have that much of a chance unless you're literally putting the study in and studying and studying to stay in the game. But like in PLO, you still have a chance because variance is high and stuff like that. So if we start letting the machines just crush the variance to almost a zero where you're just playing perfect poker every time, the game will suffer obviously over time. And the people that are the lifeblood of this game, the recreational players, selfless plug there for you guys. Bring it. <laughs> it is, those are the players that keep the game going because eventually one, two players go to two, five, two, five, go to five, 10, and all the way up. Every single player playing, whether they're playing at Legends Room right now, playing 4,000, 8,000, or they're over at Aria, playing in the big, big, you know, 500,000 PLO game, they all started playing one, two, no limit hold'em. I don't care what they tell you, that's where they started. We all get into this game the same exact way. Walking into a poker room with a $100 bill in our hand, nervously looking around going, what do I do now? We all started <laughs> the same way, and we need to make sure that those people that are coming to the game always feel comfortable and feeling like you've been taken advantage of by someone you already know has an edge on you just feels extra shitty. Yep. Couldn't, couldn't have said it better myself. And, and honestly, like I hope we never solve poker because like half the fun is in studying it and thinking about it and like learning all the different ways that you can uh, uh, exploit people. And, you know, like 
yeah a solved solved poker it, it will be the death of poker i just i firmly believe that so um let that be said um all right well you said if you, you're kind of in a 24-hour position you're obviously very passionate enthusiastic about it um what do you do to relax what do you do outside of poker that kind of just makes up that minute portion of the week that you're not spending being an excellent uh, poker strategist wait there's life outside of poker I mean, I hate to be the one to break this to you, but I've heard I've heard stories. Breaking news, right? No, um, <laughs> yeah, I definitely love to uh, you know unwind and and definitely as, as funny as it is, I don't play a lot of poker when I'm in town. I actually end up playing poker when I'm on vacation. So I'm like, I'll go away for five days, and my wife's already like, "Which day are you playing poker?" She already, yeah, she already, because it's, <laughs> it's it's different for me to play out of town than it is in town. It's a little bit harder uh, with my schedule, but obviously. Also, I know a lot of people and, it, you know, I'll go down to sit at the South Point and play poker at a random casino and I'm there for five minutes and someone's like, hey, what are you guys doing with the BetMGM championship this year? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I look at them, I'm like, I, I, I'm like, you're speaking in my backswing. And they look at me like funny. I'm like, this is my golf game, guys. This is my yeah. golf. This is my away from it and you know i obviously i don't say that i go oh let me tell you <laughs> so, so i definitely don't uh especially as i'm getting older i don't um i definitely find the importance of unplugging and uh i love spending time with my wife and, and our our amazing animals we have like five animals now we have three dogs a ferret and a hedgehog we got a farm, oh. We're a farm. our uh <laughs> our, our goal eventually is to uh, run a farm for like aging dogs, you know, like, oh. like, like almost like hospice care for dogs. I love that. It's hard to take care of a dog when they're they're old, but you know, if we could give them a space, you know. But me, I'm such a softy. I'm like, oh my god, I can't, I can't, I can't. But no, that's definitely a dream of ours. And uh, yeah, anything to do with animals, I definitely give some time back. I work with youth. Uh, my wife is actually a doctor of special education. Uh, working specifically with children with autism. So I volunteer ah. like a, a couple different autism groups. I go to her school. I read the kids' stories sometimes. I work on projects and stuff like that. Just cool things that just uh, bring me back down to earth from living in the clouds of Bellagio, Aria, and everything that MGM Resorts does every day because, you know, that's what we do. We, we create experiences. And to create experiences, we have to reach for the sky and reach for the stars because that's what people come to expect. So anything that is very low key on my days off is very appreciated hanging by the pool or something small and you know cooking out with my friends or something like that anything throwing throwing uh bags or horseshoes or even darts or anything like that anything that makes me feel like i'm back in a smaller town as mm. opposed to like the real big massive city is is my my time away that's that's awesome yeah, my wife actually also she works with horses and uh, there's a uh, program for autistic kids working with horses as well that she was really involved with. And it's amazing. You know, I don't think we appreciate how valuable animals are in our lives, pets and uh, uh, the the role that they can have in our lives. So I'm, uh, that's, that's great to hear. It doesn't doesn't surprise me one bit. Uh, Chris, you had one there, I think. Well, yeah. And uh, speaking of this, I've got a question from the YouTube chat, which is uh, sort of about uh, our downtime. Uh, Dark Angel is wanting us to ask, uh, what kind of books you like to read? Oh, man. Uh, lately, I've been reading. Oh, man, this is so bad. I'm so bad at crypto. Like, I'm really just bad. I just, I literally just buy it here, but I have no clue. So I'm just, I'm trying to read about like, like 
different ways to be successful in the digital markets and stuff like that. But it's not really going well right now. But <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I read, I do read books uh, throughout the year, different books that I, I, I different have pa- passions in. Um, but uh, a, a lot lately has been around like different games and like reading more like online stuff that I'm reading about different worlds that I'm not attached to that I'm interested in, like content creating. I've been watching a lot of like slot streamers mm-hmm. and poker streamers and video mm-hmm. like table game streamers lately. That's a big part of my passion right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That question comes from Donna. Um, she seems to think that uh, you'd have, you'd have a good answer for people when asked about books from, from dark angel Dawn over there. Oh, you're just muted there, uh, Sean. Sorry about that. There he is. Um, yeah, so if anyone has any other questions for Sean, uh, feel free to type them into the chat there. We're going to be wrapping this up here shortly, and then we'll be doing our raffle uh, for the food bank awareness that we do every week. Um, <laughs> so Donna has a follow-up. Uh, Sean, she wants to know, what's your favorite bedtime story? <laughs> no comment. She has to pick the story she's going to read me. No comment. Oh, I see. Uh, something tells me that Donna and Sean were in a Twitter space sometime recently, and uh, something something came out of that. I'm pretty good at reading between the lines uh, after all these years. Hey, talk on something for like 30 seconds. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> well, now is probably a good time for uh, folks to start typing the words food bank into the uh, YouTube chat here. We're going to have uh, Sean back for his final portion of the interview here in just a moment. But as people know, um, every week we do like to do it, uh, a raffle to bring awareness to food insecurity. A lot of people that you might not know in your own neighborhood or your own community might be having a little trouble putting food on the table. It affects more people than you think. And so every week we like to have a little raffle here to give away a prize and to draw some attention towards the plight of food insecurity. So if you want to help, all you can, all you have to do is just Google food banks near me and uh, a place will come up that uh, is in your neighborhood that can maybe, uh, if you donate some time, some dollars, or some non-perishable food items, you can make a difference in your own backyard. So please do, if for now, you can help out just by typing the words food bank into the YouTube chat, and someone's going to win a copy of GTO Poker Simplified by Barry Carter and Darrow Carney. Sean, we've got you back. Have you been thinking about bedtime stories? Because it's it's very, it's a subject that our, our YouTube chat is just buzzing about. So believe it or not, Donna could read me War and Peace, and it would be peaceful. If you know Donna, you know her. Every tweet I read from Donna is in her voice, and I love it. So, yes, that is our running joke that I did ask her on the very first space that we were in together. I said, Donna, just please read me a bedtime story. So she does owe me that. Um, I, I, I want it to be something good. I want it to be a good a good book from the UK that maybe I don't know. Yeah, there, there you go. All right. So, Donna, you've got something to think about there. Um, Sean, you promised us uh, one story that you were going to tell later about dealing um, back in the day, a room with a yellow ceiling, and you said, uh, don't try this at home, dealers. Ooh, so, yeah, this is this is definitely going back. So um, Florida dealing in Florida was definitely a different time back then. Uh, Florida poker has obviously grown. you got massive uh, Best Bet Jacksonville, even Daytona Beach, where I started, is in a completely new, beautiful building. It's it's state of the yard and everything like that. And all of it, or, uh, excuse me, all of Florida poker has definitely boomed. Um, but uh, we we definitely had, uh, definitely dealt the game a little bit different. And I remember being in this game and dealing this game. And it was literally 
We called it Daytona Hold'em. And the <laughs> only difference from this game, from a regular game, was that instead of just being 2-2 poker, everybody started with a $2 in. So it just made the pot fat. You know what I mean? $18, 18 whole dollars in the pot to start. But look out. These pots at 2-2 limit, and you're nine-handed. How many bets did they have to get? We'd be three, four, five hundred dollar pot. It made no sense. The math still today doesn't make sense to me. So there would just be these massive pots because no one would fold. No one would fold pre. If you had Jack three off and the flop came, you know, ace deuce, ace deuce nine, you're like, well, I can still back into a four or five. You know what I mean? The games were that bad. So, but you know, sometimes people would get a little out of line, like they do in any poker room. And I had this gentleman one day. Um, physically put his arms on me because he was frustrated. And anybody that's met me, I'm a gentle giant. Um, I'm a big teddy bear at the end of the day, but I'm not a small guy either. So literally this guy, I'm sitting there, he's in the um, he's in the nine seat and literally he grabs my arm. You know, luckily the deck was in, is in my left hand because I'm right-handed. He grabs my arm as I go to like burn and turn or something like that. And I literally was like this and I'm like, excuse me and he literally pulls on my arm so reflex i just threw my arm back like this and he flies back out of his chair and he's laid up against the wall these rooms were not big so he's against the wall (laughs) and in florida at the time i don't know if this still holds true we had police in the the uh the rooms so a police comes up and i'm like oh my god i'm in trouble i'm in trouble i'm in trouble and they just threw the cuffs on this guy (laughs) <laughs> get him right out of the room get him right out of the room like we saw what happened you don't touch dealers so it was a great level of protection not that i would want to see that in poker rooms these days granted don't <laughs> touch anybody we should never yeah, have don't touch the dealer. nobody has the right to touch a dealer ever but it was just it was such a surreal experience because like again i'm like 25 26 whatever i was and i'm just like you see the cop like not security like you find it most oh yeah actual police Daytona Beach police officer yeah. um, that was stationed there. And it was a, you know, it was just such a crazy experience. And uh, yeah, again, I'm not a violent person and it wasn't like <laughs> purposely, I wanted to like knock this guy up. It just happened. I turned the way I did and he was drunk or had been inebriated and fell back. And, and it was just so such an experience that I'm like, wow, that's going to be a tough one to top. And sure enough, I have hundreds of stories that top it that I can't tell you. <laughs> one day we'll I'll write wait a book. for your book. Yeah, One that's right. I'll wait for your book. That's right. Well, Sean, um, thanks so much for your time. This was a really fun uh, interview. I knew it would be. If folks want to reach out to you if, uh, personally, is Twitter the best way? What's the best way for folks to uh, to make an impression if they're trying to connect? Yeah, um, Twitter's really the only uh, social media that I use for business for the most part. I don't really use anything else social-wise. Um Maybe I should get a TikTok account. I don't know. I don't know how to film. I'm so bad at those sort of things. Um, but no, um, yeah, at the Poker Boss on Twitter is the best way. My DMs are always open. So I get message requests all the time for people with different questions, whether it be about MGM operations or a lot of times I get questions from other operators. Hey, man, what's the ruling in this game? Or what's mm. guys, you, do you guys burn when you do this? Do you When you do draw procedures, how do you do this and stuff like that? So it's great to be able to like have a think tank with people, not just in my company, but also outside of the company to make the game better. So 
always best, like I said, at the poker boss on Twitter is the easiest way to find me. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty engaging on there. And I always respond within with, if I went a day without responding to you, send help, send help. <laughs> I try to be the guy that always, always answers everybody, but no, it's uh this has been great. And I appreciate you guys uh, doing this and having me on. And I so look forward to meeting you all guys in real life at the MGM Grand, what did we say? June 28th, correct? 28th. Book it. 20th. Book it, baby. I will be there with you guys. Like I said, I won't be check raising you, but I'll, I'll be taking <laughs> notes on how to get my poker strategy on the other side of the table. Now you're talking. Right on. Well, Sean McCormick, everybody, uh, thank you again, my man. This was great. June 28th, my pal, I cannot wait. We're going to be there. So we'll see you then, if not before. Absolutely. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a good one. All right. Cheers. Well, that was uh, about about as fun as expected. Um, Sean McCormick, uh, the poker boss, poker strategist from MGM Resorts and uh, the local celebrity around here for putting our rec poker meetup game together for June 28th at the MGM Grand. So that one's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I see we've got a few people typing food bank into the YouTube chat already. So that was great. I think uh, once we get through some uh home game results with our one and only john somsky we'll see who's gonna win our prize this week john what have you got for us well we'll start off with k poker wannabe ron payton won his fourth nightly victory for the year and dewey 13 stuart carriage got his fifth nightly victory evan flows got there his or her first nightly victory Hmm. for the year congrats and M. Babker, Michael Babker, got his fifth nightly victory. Hazi08 got his third nightly victory. And Sharkslayer21, Lucky Haas, got his second nightly victory for the year. Some family victories in there. Congratulations, everybody. Exact. Excellent. Um, a really mad guy got his third daily mixed victory for the year. And I believe really? that's the second daily mixed victory in a row that's i was gonna say we've heard his name a few times here way to go mad guy and rick the good dog got his third international victory for the year isma got his second international victory for the year and then k pokeronaby ron payton won the lpp event so he can contact info at rec.poker for his free month at learn pro poker Holy cow, Ron's on a roll. I so I happen to know that Ron also is the winner of the May 100k Studios leaderboard uh uh tournament series. He won, he had the most points. Um the match was I haven't spoken to Ron since then, but I know the match was this Sunday and I hope he got a chance to get his seat and advance to the next uh level. So and so I just want to highlight this again. So every Tuesday in June, if you play in our nightly home game uh, club on Tuesday nights, you will be accumulating points. Everyone who makes the final table gets a certain number of points. And whoever has the most points at the end of the month uh, wins entry into a like semifinal tournament that's happening usually that following weekend. So uh, if you are the winner uh, at the end of June, Keep your eyes peeled from a message uh, for, from John or from uh, Rob Gardner over at 100K Studios, letting you know how to get into that next tournament. Because um, that's going to be super fun. And congratulations to Ron for just being on fire 
that's that's a whole lot of winning for uh, Kay Poker Wannabe. So congratulations to them. Yeah, I uh, believe uh, probably due to the fact that I didn't respond quickly enough. I'm not sure he actually was able to play in the event, but still congratulations on making it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think we'll find we'll we'll hear from Ron at one point soon. I hope. Um, Chris, I think it's time for the nerdy die. Uh, I'll just take it from the top here. I see Hawk plays the RRRCCC, Gibber two two two, Dark Angel, Phil, Luke. Uh, six. Those are the six that I see. Do you see the same order? I do. How okay. come? How come we always have the boring six? I know we need, and there's the, that's not even there's like come almost on, three times people, that many people. Give me a seven or right something. Now. Give me a challenge. If you're watching right now, hold on. Let, let's give them. A, let's just give them a couple more minutes here. If you're watching this live on YouTube right now, I can tell there's many more than six people watching. Uh, just type the words "food bank" in to the chat. You and could win you a prize win. and make make me happy. Make my yeah, heart. Chris, I don't want to roll a dumb box car. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I bought all these fancy dice and I always have to roll the six cider. <laughs> That's right. Come on. Um, so uh, I guess we'll just talk about a couple other things um, before we do so that other folks can get a chance to get that, uh, to get that. Oh, there we go. There we got we go. seven with Evil Roy. I Evil knew Dave, Roy to the I knew Dave would, would have our back here. Um, so yeah. So uh, once again, our, uh, thanks to John Somsky for all the amazing work he does on our home game club. We just keep piling more. <laughs> more and more on him but uh he uh just delivers time after time um it's a great feature if you're not involved in our home game club then you really are missing out folks you can win different prizes on different nights it's free to join um it's the toughest home play money tournament series in the world i'm not the only one who says it uh come and uh see if you can get a piece of that action if you go to rec.poker poker homepage, you can see what's going on there um all right I think that brings us to seven. And right. I got I got seven. If I roll, I've got the nerdy eight cider rather than the boring six cider. If I roll an eight, we re-roll. Okay. Right? Sounds good. Let's do it. Here we go. It's a seven. See oh, <laughs> oh man. Dave just wins everything here. He doesn't even poker. I mean he doesn't even he wasn't even he, gonna he play. Like, he wasn't even gonna play and he's still a winner. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is that is something else. Well, Dave, you know the rules. Uh, you got to send me that email info at rec.poker. We're gonna have to start minting some new kinds of prizes for Dave. I think yeah. Dave's already like experienced all the different prizes we would normally give out as a consequence of this. Um, well, you yeah. know, I, I kind of blame the two of you. You were begging not to roll the box car. And <laughs> Dave true. was sitting there it's going like, true. I feel guilty. I've won too much. I won't <laughs> put my name in. And then you say, please, someone put it in. And of course Dave wins. Of course he does. <laughs> of course he does. And that you should not feel guilty, Dave, that you are yeah. <laughs> absolutely great that you won. That's true. Maybe right. maybe part of the prize uh, can be some of uh, Phil's bamboozled tears. Maybe that. that oh, send. yeah, yeah. We are collecting Phil's tears, yeah. um, and I think I've been coming up with. I mean, I've just been collecting them because it's fun. Yeah, um, but there, we should. But now do we have something, something to do with, with them. It. You know, like, yeah, we, I we, like yeah, that. It's like for the prize that you can't give for somebody who has everything. I- <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> all right. Well, that sounds great. At least it's nice to have a plan. At least we've got a plan. Um, all right. Well, folks, thanks for uh, tuning in. Like every week, this is the most fun I have um, all week. Um, actually, you know, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna say this, but uh, when Sean started talking about the work that he and his wife do with autistic kids and animals, how important animals uh, are and everything. Um, I, I'm going to dedicate this episode to my family dog, Berkeley, who was a freaking champion. Um, we had to put him down a little while ago, and it has just gutted me and my wife. Mrs. Blusterini and I are like, we're we're struggling. So I miss my dog so much. He was great. If you're listening to this, please send me a tweet with a photo of you and your dog or just your dog or your cat or your pot-bellied pig or whatever pet you have that you love um at rec poker gym uh mrs blusterini and i could really use some uh some nice pet pictures this week uh to cheer us up so um thank you berkeley for 13 amazing years you will always be remembered and um uh i guess i guess that's all uh, that's all i gotta say about that um so Thanks for tuning in this week. It's been a pleasure as always. I have to thank the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. Of course, Sean McCormick, he is the poker boss. Uh, Chris Jones and John Somsky for joining me here. Everyone in the YouTube chat, that was awesome. You guys are the best. And uh, to all you listening at home, thanks for your support. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody.